Good evening, everyone. Welcome. One of the um, morning. Uh, it's the beginning of next month. I Got about a few more days. So today is the twenty-eighth. So are we in the last five days of the Kartik? Okay, thank you. Not quite then. Today's Saturday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So the five days begin tomorrow. Supposed to be powerful days. They are powerful days, I should say. The last five days of Kartik can intensify your your rut, your commitment to the month that represents Radha. Shikartik Bratuki Jai Siradhe Gijai. So we continue now with Brahma's prayers and um, we come to verse eighteen. Adhyaiva Tadrite Syakim Mamanate Mayatvam Adarshitam Ekosi Pratamam Tato Braja Suhrid Vatsasamasta abhi Tvanathosi chatur bhujas tad akilai sakam maya pasitas Tavanti eva jaganti ahus tad amitam Brahmadbhayam shishyate So, Brahma says here, Adyaiva, he says, today. And he begins with this word. So the implication is, I have given an example already from your Leela in your childhood, early childhood, wherein your mother asked you, if you had eaten dirt and you lied to her and said no, and she opened your mouth and found everything, the universe inside of you. And um, not only did she see the universe inside, in your belly, through your throat, opened very wide, but um, she saw herself within the universe, on the earth, in Brudge, looking into his mouth. So the implication is hmm, there seem to be many universes and they're all inside of him. Hmm? There's some indication of that. Hmm? It was a very extraordinary event and we discussed it at some uh, length, uh, the sweetness of it all. And the Aishvarya of it, of course, the, uh, the Aishvarya of it is, as we say, that all everything is contained within Krishna, and Krishna's standing there as if he's contained within everything at the same time. So this is a panentheistic perspective, not a theistic or a pantheistic, in terms of these, where these terms are understood classically. Theistic being God is here, he is sacred, the world is down here, and it is profane. Hmm? And 
pantheism, making making the world sacred by saying the world is is God, but then the transcendental God seems to evaporate to some uh, extent, and the big problem it's thought from a theistic point of view with pantheism is now God is the world and the world has faults. So God has faults. We want to keep him up here away from the world because the world has faults. God cannot be bad. He can't have any faults. So this is the, this is, these are two ends of the, of the spectrum. And the panentheistic idea of Gaudiya Bhashtam, which is age old, as, long, as old as the Bhagavad, and, and older, is pan n. So the n is an important syllable. It means in, so so it means that he's he is he's in the world and 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 he's beyond the world at the same time. You get both anyway. You get the theistic, transcendental personality of Godhead, who's fully immanent and fully transcendent at the same time. Because of his immanence, in one sense, the world becomes a sacred place. Hmm? Um, indeed. In one sense, it's lokabat tuli lakai valyam. The sutras say it's manifest. There's two meanings to this. The world is the sutra. The world is manifest out of the joy of the absolute, which, in one sense, we could argue, as Chaitanya Charitamrita does, that joy is is also involves bestowing. It's the 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 perks, the mukti of Baikuntha, because Narayan wants to give that to people, but there's nobody to give it to, because in his abode, everyone's already got the four kinds of mukti, or one of the four. So Mahavishnu manifests to express and give experience of compassion to to Bhagavan. Sometimes compassion is thought, no, not even for compassion does he do it, just playful, with no, no reason whatsoever. But really, compassion is a fullness. It's an expression out of fullness. You don't want to say that he's incomplete. Hmm? He does it to be complete because he's complete in himself. Hmm? But his completeness, to be complete, involves having compassion also, which is then an overflow. So, so in one sense, he manifests the world. Uh, he becomes many. Hmm? And manifest the world that the many may may meet their maker and a, a, attain mukti. Hmm? So the world has a dharma; it has a purpose, right? Um, of course, you know, the the one is big and the many are small, and the one's jurisdiction here is over the material nature, and the smallness of the jiva in the face of the vastness of material nature presents a predicament. For the jiva, so there must be avatars, also, and the Vedas must manifest through Brahma, and so forth. All this, giving bodies to them, so that they can um, ultimately become sadhakas, right? And uh, and and give up those bodies also in those conceptions. Anyway, it's a it's loka batu lakai valyam. It means like this: the world is manifest out of lila, shishti lila, and um, 
but it it also means lokavat tulilakaya valyam, that Krishna has a lila that's human like, that's like the world. Loka uh, Lokabhat means the world. He has a lila that's like the world. That's uh, Krishna lila, the Braja lila, very special. So Brahma's seeing both of these things, right? Uh, and that's what he wants to say here. Uh, the the Nara Lila that he's talking about um, in the previous uh, verse, where again Mother Yasoda sees the Aishvarya of the worlds inside of him and gets a hint of how big the world is and how big her son could be, although she's in denial of that, and her uh, Vatsalya is powerful and doesn't permit her to really go there entirely. She thinks of different reasons why that. She's having this vision. Is it a dream? She looks around and says, it doesn't seem like a dream. Uh, it, maybe the gods have done this, but what are the gods? You know, I'm just an ordinary person. Why would they do that, Do this to me? Mm, that couldn't, couldn't be. Maybe it's the mystic power of Krishna. Mm. Uh, that's a possibility. But then she thinks, uh, that's, that's not a possibility. It must be my god, Narayan, mm, has has done it. He does, at times, it's been told, he would do wonderful things through Krishna. So what his purpose is, who knows, who can understand the purpose of God, why he does what he does, but we'll just leave it at that. Hmm? And um, and meanwhile, you know, her Vatsalya fully takes over and the whole thing disappears, of course, by the force of that Vatsalya. A bit of a struggle on Krishna's part to show that in the face of her Vatsalya. Hmm? It couldn't diminish it. It couldn't dismiss it. Just pushed back on it a little bit and some thoughts came as to, could he be something other than my son? Is that, no, that's not possible. Hmm? So, as I say, Brahma's cited this to give evidence to Krishna for things that he's already said, that your form is unlimited and... Um, and uh, in the world, uh, just like uh, that you are Narayan, who the worlds come from. Hmm? Um, and so you've shown that uh, uh, the, the universes are inside of you, the universe is inside of you. Maybe there's other universes too, possibly. So having said that, it was a powerful argument citing Krishna's uh, childhood Leela. Today he says, but anyway... That's nothing. Hmm? Let's talk about today. Hmm? And there is this tale of this happening to you. Okay, it's profound in its implications and charming at the same time. But it's one thing to hear it, something like that. It's another thing to experience it directly. And that's what happened to me. And what I experienced directly, more clearly... Uh, emphasizes the point that I sought to substantiate by citing the uh, the uh, um, dirt-eating um, leela of Krishna. Hmm. Indeed, so what he, making uh, referring to today, he's referring to really the end, ending verses of the last chapter, hmm, which is what he saw. I mean, it's still the same day. And, and now he's at the point, as we know, that he's got it together to offer prayers and so forth. 
But what actually happened to him, as Sukadev described, was super uh, extraordinary, and it demonstrated even more emphatically and more clearly, without a doubt, that everything is within Krishna. Uh, he refers to him here as um, Brahmadvayam Shishate, that you are um, Advayam Gyanam. There's another verse of the Bhagavatam that's very uh, central uh, to its tattva and the sambandha, the sambandha, the knowledge that uh, that corresponds with bhakti, sambandha gyan. Um, the other important verse, of course, that we, as we've pointed out, that this the, these prayers in many respects are centered on is the famous Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam that Jiva Goswami said is, is the password for unlocking the philosophical uh, uniqueness and insight of the Bhagavatam. Krishna is the source of all, the fountainhead of all divinity. It's a super important uh, point of the Sambandagyan that if in place, if it's not in place, you cannot develop the kind of bhajan that will enable you to enter into the Brajlila. So he has got that in place, and we talked about that at some length, and how that that understanding of Krishna as the fountainhead of all divinity transformed from an Aishvarya conception of Krishna being the source of everything to a Madhurya conception of Krishna being better than Narayan. If he's the source of everything, he's the source of Narayan. So whatever is in Narayan is within him. That's an Aishvarya way of talking about it. All the all the forms of divinity come from Krishna. But they don't think about it like that in Braj. In Braj they don't think everything comes from Krishna, but they think Krishna's better than Narayan. <laughs> so they got it. <laughs> but it's a Madhurya take on that philosophical point that Brahma's morphing into uh, through his experience. This is what Krishna's bringing to. We have to pass through this to enter into the Brajalila. You really have to understand who Krishna is philosophically. And then you know, here's the person where you could actually give yourself entirely. Even if you want to give yourself as a lover or as a friend. We don't really find this possibility, as far as I know, in any other theistic conception in the world uh, to date. There's some shadow of it, you know, here and there, uh, a little bit, and there's the there's the, the the bridehood of Christ, but Christ is the guru, he's the son. So, you know, it's, it, here it's fully developed. If you, if you have the audacity to think like this, typically, um, Eros and, and Agape are like, at opposite ends of the spectrum, to use the Greek terminology. There's the there's the mortal love, hmm? flawed as it is, up and down as it is, uh, and then there's the love of God, agape, uh, with reverence and so forth. And never the two shall meet, <laughs> so to speak. And here they meet in the transcendental eros of the, of of uh, Krishna and his kambijai. Leela of defeating calm altogether hmm? in a very positive way, 
by becoming an object of transcendental calm, hmm? calm, rupa bhakti, an object of transcendental friendship, of transcendental uh, parental love, samanda rupa bhakti. Hmm? So these are the two two forms of, of rag bhakti in Braj. This is a, this is objectively speaking a unique uh, spiritual uh, theological uh, insight. Now you don't have to accept it or whatnot, but it, but it, there's if you don't want, but it's very charming and it's it's well thought out and it speaks to this possibility in a way that no other tradition does, which is very interesting because after all, what type of love is more consuming? Hmm? Parental love, friendly love, romantic love. Take the three of them. Hmm? And compared to going to church on Sunday, people go to church on Sunday, and they're you know they're looking. To, when I was young, really young, I used to look at the girls in the church and think I'm supposed to marry one of them. Which which one will it be? <laughs> that was when I was quite young. <laughs> hmm. um, so you know you, or you're you know you're you're there. It's 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 dutiful. You're supposed to do it, and so but you're. You get done, you give a little money and the thing, and then get back to work, you know, get back to the what's really important, hmm, which is all these other loving relationships hmm, that then are within, we are told, are profane in comparison. And it, it's, it's, so the Gaudiya Vaishnava resolves all this, right, by giving us an object of love from the, from the, from a, a theological object of love, a, a consciousness constituted significant other hmm? so um it's it's and in and, and i was talking with uh Keisha today about his, his father and how his father is interested in spiritual life and goes on retreats and he has kind of a kind of a nirvishesh uh brahma kind of idea about god because the person god idea having been brought up in the catholic church it just didn't didn't hold for him uh and so there's a there's a fair amount of rejection of the personhood of god often without thinking it through, because if you don't have a person, what is left, what is the nature of the transcendence that you will attain? Is it just a deep sleep? Is that what you want to do? You just go to sleep forever to get out of the pain and the struggle of material existence and call that bliss? Hmm? This is how we frame it, and for good reason. Um, but yes, at the same time, the way in which, and this is not to critique, uh, criticize Catholicism or Christianity, but often in in not only in that tradition, but even in the Hindu tradition, even in the Gaudiya tradition sometimes. The personality of the Godhead, the form of the Godhead, hmm, who provides us now the or affords us now the opportunity of tran- love in transcendence, not just to love to exist, but to exist to love, of her further idea, is presented in the kind of a cartoonish, you know, way that uh, some guy within time and space, even Krishna has thought of it. He's in time and space, and and so therefore you need a Bhagwat Sandarbha, for example, the Jiva Goswami, a very extensive theological um, uh, uh, treatise on the nature of a form that transcends time and space. Hmm? Uh, the two don't seem to go together, but that's, of course, 
what Brahma is seeing also, right? So these are important, uh, point being theological uh, uh, discussions to get this in place, and then, then, and then, then the loss that you're willing to incur by giving up this. Sometimes, like you hear the atheists say, I don't believe in the in the fairy fairy tooth. What do they say? Tooth, tooth fairy. fairy. The tooth fairy. <laughs> I don't believe in the tooth fairy. You know, as if that. Is a, is, a, is a substantial dismissal of the kind of theological arguments that you find even within you know within uh, Christianity you can good, find good theological arguments but they're really really developed here in terms of the personality of God and the potential of a, of a relationship and how he can exist as I say beyond time and space appear within it at the same time be aloof from it extensive, extensive um, theological support drawing from the revelation of the East, primarily the Bhagavatam, but also the, the earlier texts, the Upanishads and so forth. Hmm. Um, so, uh, this is what Brahma's uh, doing here. And as I say, while one of the key verses of Sambandha Gyan that, for example, the Krishna Sundarbha rises out of, in the mornings here at Mongol Arctic, we're we're re- afterwards we're reading Gopal Champu. Gopal Champu is a work of Jiva Goswami, a poetic work of Champu, poetic work of Jiva Goswami. That's like a poetic edition of the prose and philosophical um, treatise called Krishna Sundarbha, which is the last of the uh, three, one, two, three, four Sundarbhas of Jiva Goswami, or treaties of Jiva Goswami that deal with Sambandagyan. It's heavy on the Sambandagyan. Four, four treaties on that Tattva Sundarbha, Bhagavat Sundarbha, Paramatma Sundarbha, hmm? Krishna Sundarbha, then, then a Sundarbha or a treatise on Bhakti, and one on Preeti or Prem. Hmm? These are the six Sundarbhas. But you, you got to get this heavy grounding. Hmm? to when your bhakti is really well informed by sambandagyan hmm? then you're in a much better position to execute bhakti hmm? abhideya and when your abhideya your execution is well informed then that kind of bhakti will result in preeti in prem in due course so a lot of attention given by jiva goswami yeah, on the Sambandagyan. And this Krishna's two Bhagavan's flame is one of the slokas, one of one line of one verse of the Bhagavatam that the whole Krishna Sandarbha comes out of. And the whole Bhagavat Sandarbha, the whole Paramatma Sandarbha, and a good part of the Tattva Sandarbha, which is kind of an introduction to the to the tr- six treaties, arises out of this verse that is really referred to here in this verse and also in the verse in the 13th chapter, the previous chapter, that Brahma's reflecting on, or the description of Sugadeva that's found there that was his experience. The word here used is Brahmadvayam. Hmm? So the verse in Bhagavatam is Badanti tat tatvavidas tatvam yad jnanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabdite and the key word here is uh, advayam jnanam. Hmm? So, 
he's written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses in these treaties on this verse. The whole Paramatma Sandarbha, the whole Bhagavat Sandarbha coming out of this. And it, and it appears first in the Tattva Sandarbha. Hmm. So Brahma's got the Sambandha Gyan here. He's, he's got these, these these ideas down. He's in a really good position hmm, to uh, attain his uh, his his ideal. Um, and at Advaigyan, he says that you are um, Advaigyan Tattva, basically saying. Advai means non-dual. Uh, tattva means uh, knowledge, or you are the non-dual reality. He says, versus Bhavad Vidha, no, what is it? Uh, um, how does it start? Vadanti Tattva Vidhas. Learned people, the Tattvavits, who know the truth, this is what they say. It's an interesting verse because it, it, and it's such a central verse to to us that, uh, for example, let's take let's go to another text, Chaitanya Charitamrita. How foundational is that to us? Uh, the the um, in the Mangal Charn of Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find this verse that I'm speaking of and Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam put together hmm, in a verse of his own composition, Sanskrit verse by Krishnadas Kaviras Goswami. That is the, um, what's the term? You have your Ashurvad slope, you have your... Hmm? No. Um, Vastu Nirdesh. Vastu Nirdesh, the nature of the of the thing. What is it? The Vastu. Hmm? It means, it, in, in essence, what the tattva of the whole book is about. He says... Yad Brahmo Panashari Tarapya Setunuba Atmantarayami Purusho Itisho Sham Shabi Baba Sadaishvaryapuna Bhagavans Swayam Ayam Nachetanyaj Krishna's Javati Paratatvam Paramiha. So you see he's got the two he says because the verse we're discussing tonight Brahmati Paramatmati Bhagavan Iti Sabdate Krishna's begins, Yad Brahmo Panishadi, Yad Brahmo Panishadi Tadapya That Brahman light, the great light of the Upanishads, that's so central to the Upanishads, hmm? that is his aura. Hmm? Hmm? That is the beginning understanding of him. Um, that and then he goes the second line. That Antaryami Purusha, hmm? the Purusha Avatar, in three forms, is his uh, Paramatma, another feature of himself. Hmm? And Bhagavan Sadaishvaryam, full of six opulences, he's known as Bhagavan. Hmm? Yeah. And so, my government respects to him. That Krishna, who has appeared as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna's. He is the source of Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. Means he's Swayam Bhagavan. So he's put these two verses together to make the essential tattva, to compose the essential verse that speaks about the tattva, the philosophy of Chaitanya Charitamrita. And uh, of course, he gives a nice explanation of it there, which corresponds um, in, in a simple way, but he, but in a brief way, 
with the essence, uh, in one sense, of Jiva Goswami's argument. It's a verse, this verse, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdite, others in other lineages who have uh, turned the couple pages of the Bhagavatam as one of the Puranas. Hmm? It's one of the Puranas. I like the Vishnu Purana or the Padma Purana. Bhagavatam is nice too, but the Gaudiyas, they didn't look at it like that. And boy, they have given good reason for that. That's hmm? you find in Tapasandarbha. What is that? Why the Bhagavatam excels over other, over other Puranas and over all these scriptures to the extent that it's the hub around which they all could be understood in context. Mm-hmm. If they say something different from the Bhagavatam, then you have to say why it says something different and why you show from the Bhagavatam why it's relative or to a certain audience or uh, as may be the case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you, you take like Ramanuja Sampradaya, a little acquaintance with the Bhagavatam, not that Ramanuja didn't write a commentary on it, Madhva did, a very short, very brief commentary on Bhagavatam. But this verse is just thought, well, you know, the, the truth is Advaigyantatva. I mean, Ramanuja is not going to go there real well. Even Brahma, even Madhva is not going to go there real well because Brahma's, uh, uh, Brahma, I didn't say, I mean, Brahma, I meant uh, Madhva. Madhva's Dvaita. This is Advaigyan. Sounds starting to sound like Mayavad, which is the very thing he's uh, the the antithesis to. Hmm? Non-duality, he's his duality. Advaita, Dvaita. Hmm? Ramanuja is well, Vishisht Advaita. Hmm? Some some Dvaita and mixed some some Advaita, but no. qualified qualified Advaita. Bhagavatam says Advaigyan, hmm? non-dual. It doesn't say Advaigyan, kind of. <laughs> it doesn't say Dvaita, hmm? non-dual. It says the absolute truth, and says, this is learned people say, is Advaigyan Tattva. But now, manifest as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. They will look at the verse like, he has different names. He's known as Brahman, he's known as Paramatma, he's known as Bhagavan. Next verse. Hmm? And I don't know about that Advaigyan part. Hmm. Something like that. They, you know, they, it's not going to be their main book because they can't draw out their theology entirely, perhaps, from it. And here, um, of course, um, uh, it's a central verse for us. It, it means that the Godhead Krishna, which is what Brahma is experiencing, is, is, is Advaigyan. It means he's consciousness. He is... Um, Gyan. Gyan means consciousness. Consciousness means here, as Jiva Goswami explains, like the light that is luminous. Just to give an analogy, the, the, the light is self-luminous. We don't need the light to light the light. Hmm? Right? And at the same time, the light lights other things. Hmm? So consciousness is self luminous, and it can illumine other things or shed light on other things. So we get this kind of idea of perception, hmm? awareness. That's an aspect of consciousness. It's not just an awareness that somebody else has. Consciousness has awareness. Hmm? You understand? And it's, it's, it's something more than that as well. That's just a, 
something it does. It lights other things. Hmm? Um, so difficult, of course, to talk about consciousness as we know, because it's it's not like anything in the world, and it's like ourself. We know less than anybody else or anything else. <laughs> we know ourselves less than anything, even though we're constantly trying to figure ourselves out. <laughs> As I said before, I is the most used word in the English language and it's the most misunderstood one. Hmm? And it's what life's all about, to try to understand what am I? Why am I? Hmm? That's what these books are about. They're pretty relevant hmm? to the discourse of the day, right? which hasn't changed. Hmm? And, uh, and, and and never will. And they give, of course, a very sweet answer to it. One that, that if we really study it carefully, it really resonates with uh, our even our material experience hmm, of ourself. I won't go into that, but but um, so Advaigyan means tattva means the the truth, the absolute truth is non-dual consciousness. It means that it's gyan, and it also means that it's sat, hmm, that it exists hmm, um, unto itself. This is the idea. It's non-dual, so it doesn't depend on anything else. There's no other thing that it's competing with or derives power from. It's complete unto itself. Hmm? No other. Hmm? Um, uh, and, of course, uh, you know, we're kind of a unit of this, right, in, in, in a micro sense. So, as an Atma, we exist, we, we, we are luminous, we exist, and we also live to, for pleasure. That's what we do. We live for, for joy, for love, for, for rasa, really. Everyone's pursuing that. As the Upanishad said, the man, husband does not love the wife, the wife does not love the kids. Everyone loves themselves. Hmm? And they have extended their sense of self into another person of the thing, and therefore they love the thing, apparently, but they're really loving themselves. And the more that the thing becomes distanced from the sense of its mind, the less pleasure it gives me. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, the self is is the object of love, Jiva Goswami says in, in his Sandarva. The self is the object of love in this world. And... Um, of course, this is another point that comes out in the Brahma Vimohan Leela hmm? um, with regard to the, the parents and the cows loving the calves, the, the children and the calves more than their own children and their own the cows and their own calves when Krishna has become the cows and the calves. Hmm? This argument is made there, that, that section. That, we, that the, the, the self is the object of love and the reason that it's the object of love is because it's a spark of Krishna who is the, is the who is the full face of love and so when Krishna became the cows is the point the calves and the boys they loved they loved them more than they loved their sons because in loving their sons you know I mean just just to use an argument they're typically in the world as it goes you're loving yourself but they, so, so, um, as I'm explaining, so, uh, so this Advaigyan Tattva is, 
is is of the nature of sat, chit, and ananda, and it has no no other. It has no swagata bed, no sajatiya bed, no bijatiya bed. These are three technical terms. That means swagata bed. Internally, it has no divisions. Hmm? If I take something like this harmonium, it's made up of certain parts. I take one of the parts out, I could replace it with another part, maybe a metal part, which is now a wood part. I could replace it with a metal part. Hmm? So the parts are different internally than the whole. Hmm? Right? But Krishna's, what Brahma's realizing is that Krishna is, there's no Swagatabhaya, there's no, everything within him is um, him. (laughs) Um, uh, There's no internal uh, duality within him. His parts are the whole. His whole are the parts. Om Purnam, Adaha Purnam, Idam, so forth. Purnam, Purnam, Adaya. And he also, of course, so we have to go into it a little bit, but he, he, he also saw what? He saw, he saw cowherd boys, and then he saw other cowherd boys, some sleeping, and then he saw some playing with Krishna. Then he saw, wait a minute, he went back and forth like this. We'll have to go there, but, but the, uh, this is very bewildering to him. Hmm. He arrived shortly after displaying his power, which he soon realized was like snow trying to light the night, or a firefly trying to light the day in the presence of the sun. Hmm. In comparison, his power, in comparison to Krishna's power. His power was so extraordinary, you have to understand that even Balaram was bewildered by it. Hmm. What to speak of Brahma? Hmm. The measure of the Aishvarya displayed in the Slila by Krishna has no comparison absolutely no comparison anywhere in the literature of all of the Eastern revelation. Hmm. Uh, Brahma saw, and the, he came back, as I said, he saw the boys were still sleeping. You know, at first he saw the boys playing with Krishna. He said, well, what happened? How did he wake them up? He went over to see the cave where he had hid them, and they were sleeping there. And then he went back, and then he saw the boys were playing. So then he went back to the cave, and he thought, what's happening here? Are there two sets of boys? Or am I not moving fast enough? And Krishna's moving faster than me. And when I go to the cave, hmm, then he pulls the boys who are with him and puts them over there and puts them to sleep. Hmm? But that's how he does it. And then when I run over to see him, somehow he's quicker than me and he wakes the sleeping boys up and, 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 and manifests them uh, in conjunction with himself and his, and, and his hurting. Hmm? He says, he thinks maybe, no. Uh, he's got four heads, he's trying to figure this whole thing out, you know. Um, and, and, he, and he thinks, um, oh, maybe there are two sets. Which, which, is the, which is the one that I put to sleep? Is it these over here, or Krishna wakes those up and he puts some other ones here asleep? And he's trying to figure out something that is beyond his... His comprehension. I mean, what's in play here, of course, is his his material power was expressed in completely 
uh, dismissed. And all this is going on by Krishna's yoga maya, his sarup shakti, and 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 as intricate and fascinating and detailed as the material world and magical, really, as the material world is, it, the point is it has no comparison to the possibilities that lie in the world of consciousness. And this is a very important point because this is the ABCs, of course, of spiritual life, as Prabhupada would put it. If you understand that you're not this body, what possibilities open up for you? In other words, if you have a hard time fitting between your ears this idea of Krishna, Leela, you know, how do I figure this? Is this a cultural thing or what? You know, how do they talk about it like this? You keep wanting to fit it within time and space, where which is your realm, without allowing it to take you beyond your limited frame of reference. But as soon as you start to taste what it means to be a self, a unit of Satchitananda, <laughs> then the possibilities that lie there so far exceed. It's like the difference between, I mean, it's not even like it, but I'll just give an example that doesn't do justice to it. It's like the difference between what you can do with ice and what you can do with water. With ice, you can cool water. <laughs> with water, you can make electricity and you can make fire from it, you can you can drink it, you, can, you can't live without it, uh, so on and so forth. It's just it's un- unlimited possibilities. Uh, it's an analogy, so it's limited, but by comparison, right? Hmm. I mean, that's a transformative analogy. It may not be the best one. It's like the difference between a stone and and, 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 and water, the possibilities, perhaps. Anyway, what can you say? You can't come up with an analogy that does justice to it. The, the difference in the possibilities, you can think about it, as I sometimes have said, what are the possibilities physical that are physical? compared to the possibilities that are mental. Prabhupada used to give the example, right? That in the in the dream, in the mental world, you can have a golden mountain. Hmm? But in the physical world, good luck finding a golden mountain. Hmm? Uh, I think that marrow is said to be a golden mountain. What's his name? The great and uh, most venerable Bali Vidyabhushan says, but nobody can see it. Hmm? in his commentary on Lagu Bhagavatamrita. Of course, it can't be seen. Hmm? For those who think they're going to be out there and find it all, you know, with their Bhagavatam telescopes, uh, try, trying, to, trying to fit it all, the whole idea in between their ears and so forth. Uh, and it's not going to happen like that. So, point anyway is the difference between physical possibilities and mental possibilities. If I asked you to carry everything in this room outside in one trip, you'd say that's impossible. Hmm. But if you were smart, you could say, okay. And then you could collect them all in your mind and take them out. And I would say, you didn't take them out. I said, no, they're all here. There's this, there's this, there's this. And I'm standing outside and they're all here. <laughs> they're in my mind. The possibilities, the point is, are increased. Hmm. Then we go from the physical to the mental, and from the mental to the intellectual. Brahma's way up there, at the rim. All right, he's at the last bus stop, the last, you know, of the material world. And Brahma Often people come back from there. You can get off the train there and never come back. This this particular Brahma, being a bhakta, he's getting off the train. He's leaving Brahmaloka. And he's going to Goloka. Hmm. He's got a visa. 
Now he's he got a passport. Now he's getting a visa to go there, and he's realizing, woo, what the possibilities are. You know, we talk about a Brahma, and then you got four heads, and it's again you get this kind of like, okay, it's a funny story. You know, makes good points and all, but really, the, it's just a way of trying to describe Brahma, who 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 in, in one sense is also the universe, the Hiranyagarbha, the Hiran, Hiranmaya. All the jivas, and uh, he's the composite of all the jivas. It's it, he's a big concept, the Brahma, hmm? right? And uh, so, what are the possibilities in, from his perspective compared to ours? You know, we have to go back to Prabhupada's simple logic of the what did he call Doctor Frog? You know, how big is your the frog? Comes back. Came, I, I just came back from the ocean. How big is it? Oh, I can't. What can I say? Is it? How big is it? Is, is it bigger than this pond I'm in? Is it two times bigger? Is it three times bigger? He starts puffing himself up, and I think he explodes in the story, the, trying to understand the ocean. Right? It's just not possible. These are very simple um, stories and analogies that Prabhupada has given to us when we were children. And very, you see how powerful the, the, the implications of them are when you think it out and so forth. Um, they're good stories, right? So, the, the possibility of bringing that within the mind, within Brahma, Brahma saying you can't bring this within your intellect. It's it's reasoning has its limits. It can, it really becomes beautiful and most meaningful and useful when it ornaments faith. Hmm? When it serves faith, shastra yukti. When you use re- reasoning to understand the implications, for example, of, revel- of revelation in support of the argument of revelation, and bring it out, and so this is then a spiritualization of the intellect, which will bring about the spiritualization of the mind and the senses, and so forth. So he is, uh, you know, this is just a the beginning of it, right? He, he sees the he sees the two sets of boys. He can't even figure that out. Hmm? Uh, he is is he, he has no idea how that's how that's happening. What's what's taking place, and um, and then of course, Krishna turns one set of boys into Vishnu forms before him. Hmm? And Sukadev describes this, and it's, an, it's, a, it's a several several verses in Prabhupada. I believe he left the world in in, in one of those verses, uh, des- describing this extraordinary vision of of uh, of Brahma, as described by Sukadev, who is at the end of the description. Sukadev is so like himself, amazed. He's amazed because of what's happening to Brahma. Hmm. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Brahma's seeing this. He he sees, again, all the boys turn into forms of Vishnu. Hmm. When he sees all the boys turn into forms of Vishnu, what, what he's seeing, he's seeing two things. Of course, he sees the boys that are the two sets of boys. He's seeing Krishna. Right? He sees cows, or excuse me, he sees calves. He sees boys. He sees two sets of them. He sees Vrindavan. But he's seen that that all this is inside of Krishna, he's convinced of that, but uh, when, when he sees all the boys 
manifest as forms of Vishnu, then he's seeing, he knows there's no internal difference in Krishna, Swagata Bhed, now he says, there's no Sajatiya Bhed. Sajatiya Bhed means difference between two things of the same category. Hmm? So there can be internal uh, congruity, hmm? non-difference, internal non There can be then non-dualism, uh, non-difference between two things of the same class. I said the harmonium is one thing. If we have a harmonium in a cup, now these are two different things. Harmonium is one thing. Now we have a harmonium in a cup. There's internal difference, duality in the harmonium. There's no internal difference in Krishna. You realize this. Then you have Krishna, and now you have Vishnus, and lots of them. You know how many cowherd boys there were? Well, don't try counting that, because there is no number to that. How many calves there were? There's no number to that. Hmm? That's how many Vishnu forms he saw. Hmm? But uh, uh, this is not. A, this is excuse me. This is not a harmonium and a cup. This is a harmonium and another harmonium. So the two things of the same class. There was no internal difference in Krishna. Neither was any difference between Krishna and his expansions, in that they were they were all dependent upon him. There was only one thing, in that it, it was. This Advaigyantatva is grounded in itself, hmm? but it does things. It has powers. Those powers are not different from itself. They're its powers. Hmm? They're the power to expand himself for his own purposes hmm? in so many Vishnu forms. So he saw that, oh, there's no... He could understand because they all had the Srivats. Hmm? They were forms like Sarupya Mukti. They could have been people from Vaikuntha, the boys were actually people from Vaikuntha, but no, they were all formed, they were all Vishnu himself, Krishna himself. And they had the, the markings, and he already knows Krishna is the source of Narayan, so now he's, seeing, he's further seeing this. And he, he makes the point, he uses the word here, Brahmadvayam, and in the verses, some of them, one of them, excuse me, of the number of them that are describing what he saw, Sukadeva is describing in the previous chapter, the same term, term is used. So he, and then there's the third type of difference. So you have swagatabade internal difference. You have sajatiabade difference between two things of the same category, and then you have difference between things of different categories. That means that you have your cup and your harmonium. They're different. Hmm? But the Maya Shakti, it's different from Krishna. The Jiva Shakti is different from Krishna and one with Krishna. Hmm? But uh, he realized there's no there's no distinction between these shaktis and Krishna because they're all dependent. They're all coming from him. He sees that the boys are coming from him because he manifested other boys, at least a couple sets of them. <laughs> uh, so so he he this is a, just a technical uh, understanding of the Advaigyan Tattva. I believe like you take Ramanuja Vashishta Dvaita. You've got sajati obeyed, you've got vijati obeyed, but you don't have swagat obeyed. Hmm? Swagat obeyed. There's internal difference. So, 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 you know, this is, we are, we're Bhagavatam followers. Hmm? That, that won't get, if you have Vishishtadvaita, that won't get you to Goloka. You could go to Dwarka. 
You could become a follower of Rukmini, it's possible. That high. But you cannot go to Golok. You cannot go to Vrindavan. Hmm. This, uh, Brahma's get, this is where he's going. Hmm. So, he, he, he makes the point about Krishna and he's reflecting, as I say, on what happened to him, what he experienced, which is even more compelling evidence because it was personally experienced and the measure of it. Not only is there suspicion that there are other universes inside of Krishna, when Mother Yasoda is looking in, he saw unlimited Vishnus. Hmm? And from them, unlimited universes coming. Hmm? And all the Vishnus worshipped by devotees. They were wearing Tulsi garlands from head to toe. They were decorated with various ornaments and so forth. Brahmas were worshipping them. Shivas were worshipping them. This is what he saw. He saw all the material elements. Bhumir, Apo, Analovayu, Kamano, Bhudirebacha, Hankaram, all these elements personified. The, the, he saw that the whole of matter had consciousness behind it, right? Hmm? Which is, that's what really matters. And all the personified elements, the deities presiding over them, all worshipping uh, Krishna. All the Vishnus worshipping Krishna. Hmm? I mean, it's just, you can't even put in words what he saw. You see how it compares to what Mother Yasoda saw. She got a hint of something. He is just like overwhelmed by the measure of the um, the the evidence of Krishna being everything being within him. He and he and and and, and so he's seeing this. He's riding on his swan. He's coming on his swan, and uh, his head is just spinning. He doesn't know what to do. He's sitting on his swan there, and at a certain point, he he almost falls off his swan. He's so like bewildered by what he's seeing. He's so overwhelmed. And then he just kind of gets hold of himself a little bit and he actually steps down off of his swan to offer his obeisances to Krishna. That's all he can do. He can manmanabhava madbhakto madjaji mam namaskuru. He just can do namaskuru. Hmm? He said, this is the end of knowledge. Namaskuru. Namaskar. As Krishna says in the Gita. I just offer my obeisance to you. Maybe I'll become a devotee by that. I bow before you. But what's happening also, of course, is Brahma is getting off of his swan. He's touching the ground. Now the devas, they never touch the ground. They never touch the ground. He's touching the ground, standing on the ground, which means he has now given up his deva identity. He has retired this false idea of himself. He's actually progressing in terms of getting a gopaswarup, which is his ideal. And so he, he, he gives up his false identity as a deva, and he does it by way of prostration. Namaste. Right? It's not me. It's not about me. It's all about you. Something like that. And he starts to offer his obeisances, and he's trying to bow his head, but he's got four heads, so he's kind of twisting them around and trying to bow them all, and tears are pouring from his eight, eight, two, four, six, eight eyes, bathing Krishna's feet. Hmm? And then, then he, he wants to say something, uh, or he, he, you know, he, he can't see because his, his eyes are just like syringe of tear, a fountain of tears. So with the two hands, he's able to wipe two eyes clean while the other six keep crying 
Hmm? And then he and, he and he sees what does he see? Then Krishna takes the whole show of Aishvarya and whoosh, everything disappears. Hmm? All the coward boys disappear. All the calves. All the Aishvarya, and Krishna is just standing there with the fruit and yogurt in his hand as the Leela began when Brahma came in and he's looking. He would he would be looking for the calves at this point, right? He got the lunch. He stood up from the lunch because the boys said, where are the calves? He says, you sit here. Don't worry. I'll find the calves. He got up. He started to look and Brahma began his mischief, right? So that was, they couldn't find the calves because Krishna, Brahma had stolen them. He went back to the boys. The boys were stolen. So he's go back to the beginning of the Leela where he entered in and Krishna's just standing there and all of his attention is given to Brahma. Hmm. And Sugadev, in the final verse of the whole description, he, he, in the third line of the last verse of the chapter, the previous chapter, there's an extra syllable that indicates that that he he is himself choked up. God, God, I are. He he, and he's choked up at the extraordinary bhava of. Brahma, that Brahma is now attaining, and and to the extent that he has Krishna's entire attention, and Krishna's looking for the calves and the boys and the leela, but he's giving all his attention to Brahma as a sadaka, coming in this. Oh, you've given up your deva identity. You're getting it. So he's he's able to draw Krishna's attention and in this way, and then he's going to get to the position where he is now and and start saying these uh, beautiful prayers to kind of substantiate, to think out what is experiencing and confirm it, so to speak. But Sugadev is, is, is like he is earlier in these chapters when he sees the intimacy of Krishna with the coward boys. He says, Krita Punja Punja, people worship him as Brahman. People worship him as, 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 as the god of Vaikuntha. Some people think of him just as an ordinary boy, and these boys are playing with him as if he is an ordinary boy. Hmm? And he's playing with them as such, and they cannot be ordinary boys. How did they attain this position? I cannot fathom their good fortune. This is what Sukadeva is saying. And now he's seeing it's happening to Brahma. And his voice is choked up to, to think of the special bhava that Brahma's uh, attaining and of course the underlying philosophy is all in place right it's all in place so he he's really going there hmm? this is tonight's verse she brahma bimohan lila ke jai sukadev goswami ke jai she chatumuk brahma ke jai grantaraj srimad bhagavatam ke jai Go Bhakta Vrindakita, Go Premanande, Vanchaka, Patruvyascha, Kripasindu Vyevacha, Patitanam Pavani Bivashtam Bhimanamonamaha.